Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, bet you get 20, 20, 20, bet you get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off the Beaten Track Podcast. How are you all doing? It's another week. You know the drill. It's another episode. Well, it's episodes. This one's a two-parter. Why is it a two-parter, you say? Let me tell you why. The conversation was that much fun and that interesting um, that we couldn't shut up. It was it was really good. Um, today's guest is Kate Thornton, um, writer, radio DJ, television host, uh, podcaster, um, of course, podcaster, White Wine Question Time. We, we, we talk about the whole thing uh, throughout the duration of this podcast. Um, we talk about her career at Smash Hits and and a fantastic story um, that I had to ask to find out if it was true, and, and it really was, um, how Kate played a part in the, the biggest selling uh, single of all time. Uh, it's a it's a cracking chat. Uh, you're going to love it. Um, so before we get on with that, uh, let's do some shout outs. So thanks to Scrooby's Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Thank you very much to Mr. 76 for producing this. Thanks to you lot for listening to it. Um, I think that's pretty much it. If you do enjoy this, then you should be aware that there is a Patreon page to accompany this. So each week I put up some other content over there, radio shows and, and all sorts of stuff, um, exclusive episodes and uh, opportunities to get tickets to live shows and stuff. So that's all over there. Um, and there's also T-shirts and bits and pieces. He's got lots of new clothing coming very soon. Uh, there's going to be some some great goods available to you lot, um, done in association with Save Our Souls Clothing. Shall I get on with a podcast? Let's do it. Please enjoy Off the Beaten Track, part one, with Kate Thornton. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing. www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. 
All the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15, B-E-A-T-1-5, and that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beat and Track podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beat and Track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, stew with him. You're good? I'm good. Ready when you are. You'll have to remind me what my choices were because I've completely forgotten. That's all good. We are recording. We are in a beautiful garden at the back of a wonderful house <laughs> in is it Dulwich. Dulwich, West Dulwich, yeah. And that voice is Kate Thornton. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is this is wonderful. We're, we're sitting in the sunshine having a chat so you can hear birds singing and exciting it's very civilized isn't it it's only because everybody's out normally this house is utter chaos it's uh, it's very tranquil i'm loving it yeah make the most of it i am <laughs> so we met three or four weeks ago yeah you came and um spoke about your podcast and the two podcasts you like on the pod bible podcast yes i said podcast a lot then didn't i well you have to because really pod bible <laughs> is about podcasts for podcasters about and other podcasting. people that love podcasting that exactly <laughs> um and so uh you come on and um, obviously like i knew lots of what you'd done so i was quite quick to say why don't you come off the beaten track because i want to chat tunes with you and you was gracious and kind and said yep and invited me to your beautiful home so well i love talking about music and in, and sadly with with podcasting this it's so difficult to do that and I'm, I'm i'm excited that you've got your spotify playlist to support this because um, music is such an important conversation yeah. and it's been so inherently important to me. Yeah, and I know this is going to be a good one because when guests are the same sort of age bracket as me and I can look through the songs to kind of get that sort of timeline of your life, yeah. mine weren't too far from it. Really? So I think it's going to be a good chat, this well, one. Well, when you emailed me and said, right, these are the questions and so I had to choose my tracks, I... I did, I did something that I always ask my own guests to do when I'm asking them to just bring something to the table, which is don't overthink it. So the train connection from Victoria to, to where I live is 12 minutes, and I allowed myself no more than that. So what we're going to talk through today is uh, instinctive, yeah. honest, and probably not very cool. But I don't care. Exactly. Because I hate music snobbery. And I think, like, on any given day, your song choices are going to totally. be different anyway. And if you'd have... If you'd have asked me maybe later that evening or the following day, I'm sure my choices would have been yeah. different. Um, but I think the beauty is to not overthink it. Absolutely. And, and these are all songs that connect to moments for me. And Perfect. the moments are the stories. And that, I, that is why I think music is so powerful. Let's start them. 
Okay. Track one, Kate. Yeah. Song with the greatest intro ever. What did I choose? <laughs> I'm gonna have to remind you, aren't I? Somebody um, else's guy. Uh, no. So, no, there is a callback to that later. Yeah, because it is a great intro. It was Sebastian Tellio. Oh, can't even pronounce the song. You try. La Ritonelle. La Ritonelle. He is... Um, he's an, this, I, mean, I just love this song. I love this song so, so much. It's classy. It's anthemic. By the time you get to the lyric, it is the, arguably the longest intro ever. Mm-hmm. But by the time it builds to that lyric, you are euphoric yeah. and you can't help but sing it. And I can't sing. So that's painful for me and anybody within yeah. sort of hearing distance. But it is, I, yeah, I implore you to listen to it. It's gorgeous. And that's probably the best way to, sound, to describe it is utterly gorgeous. And I've, I play it constantly, a lot. Um, and anyone that I play it to falls under its spell. Yeah. And, and that, I think, is the sign of a really sm really smart piece of music. The other thing that I love about it is I can't describe it. That's good. And I think that's that makes it really stand alone. It makes it sound out of time, right? Yeah. And I mean, I don't mean the music's out of time, but it comes from out of, yeah. like somewhere out of time. And um, when I discovered this song, um, I was with... Um, with my partner at the time, his father of my son, Darren Emerson. Mm -hmm. And uh, Darren, um, as I know you know, um, kind of one of the forefathers of dance music. Absolutely. Uh, a, a seminal player in Underworld and all that great music that mm -hmm. they made. And has um, the most eclectic and wonderful taste in music. And he introduced me um, to people like Serge Gainsborough. And that was also one of going to be one of my choices yeah. for an intro because... I mean, just the orchestration, the production, yeah. the sexiness of, of the man. And yeah. I mean, he's, he's arguably quite an outrageous human being. Um, but Darren introduced me to a, a lot of new music. And this was a track that he he discovered. And, and I think, you know, it reminds me so much of our very good times together. Um, it's Ibiza, because it was Ibiza where we, you know, we yeah. met in Ibiza. We've constantly returned to Ibiza. I love, I, I go back every year. I'm going on Monday. Um, and for me, when this this comes on, even on a wet, wet rainy Sunday afternoon, when I'm putting a roast in yeah. the oven, it transports me back to those beautiful beaches, um, those amazing sunsets, and that that atmosphere of, of you know, anything can happen. Yeah. Um, and, and I, yeah, yeah. And... To, to talk about intros, and you said it's a long intro, and, and I guess with, with lots of, sort of music like uh, this track, it's, I guess the long intros on lots of sort of electronic music are there tailor-made for DJs, so yeah. they can be mixed. this isn't. But what I wanted to kind of ask you is, like, as someone that will get on to Smash It's and we'll <laughs> get on to, you know, the, the, the reality TV music show, um, you must have... At Smash, it's been sent so much music yeah. to listen to for a for the first time. Yeah, and with pop music, like I, I just wonder what you look for in an intro because with pop music, it's and you must like I said, there must have been piles of, of, of tapes of new music. And you'd get everything sent to you, everything. And uh, yeah, and and that we had an office sound system um, that even had like a tape deck in it. Um, and we would play everything. Yeah. And we were a, a community and a committee, I guess. And if something kept getting played in the office, then you knew it had a hook yeah. and it stuck. Um, but there were lots of things that informed kind of, you know, the artists that we covered. Um, 
but also more importantly the artists that we introduced to that audience mm. and um so it, it could have been anything from you know i remember championing the blue tones at smash hits and putting them on the cover and you know it sold nothing yeah but i still like the blue tones yeah. and as as a as a as a team we loved their music yeah. and i suppose it was probably pitched slightly too old for a teenage female audience yeah. but for a bunch of dirty herverts in their early yeah. 20s we loved it um and i think sometimes as a as an, an editor as an editor of a magazine like that you almost have a responsibility to to go out on a limb sometimes yeah. and take a chance but i will i mean we'll, we'll get on and talk at length a bit more about smash hits as this unfolds but um the, the the time bracket that you was there, I guess bands like the the Blue Tones, they were I guess they were like that was pop music then. It was like it was huge. Do you know what? Like, you know, my measure was if it's in the charts, it's popular. Yeah. It's pop music. Pop yeah. is an abbreviation of yeah. popular. And yes, of course, music has genres. But if enough people were coming to it to, to put it in the top 40 songs of that week, yeah. then that was good enough for me. Yeah. Always has been. Yeah. And I grew up like a slave to the charts, you know. I was the play and record girl, yeah. list, you know, trying to cut out Bruno Brooks on the top 40. Some days <laughs> I would dash up the stairs to my bedroom um, and lose myself for two, three hours listening to the charts, making yeah. up that tape that would then, uh, you know, just play yeah. on a loop almost for the week until... He was back on air again. Yeah. And I loved the excitement of, where have they gone in? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's a high entry. And then you'd get to the top three and it was like, oh, my God, he's going to be number one. Yeah. I mean, it was literally, for me, uh, you know, a nail-biting moment. And yeah. I loved the theatre of the charts. And we don't have that anymore. And my, my, my son won't grow up with that. You know, everything's so instant and so available. I loved the fact that we had to wait until Sunday to find out. Absolutely. And then I think when I joined... Um, the music industry as a, as a writer and I started having access to the midweeks, I felt so privileged yeah, that absolutely. I could find out on a Wednesday ahead of everybody else doing play and record at home on a Sunday, what was informing the charts. Yeah. And um, that for me felt like, I mean, it was, it was like being a, a music spy. I yeah. had intelligence, you know, that was passed to me and it, it, and it felt very exciting. And what you said about it being so instant now, and I mean, I'm sure there's, there's massive merits to all of that. Absolutely. But going back, I, you know, being the age I am, I like to indulge in nostalgia. And, and I love watching old Top of the Pops on a Friday night. Mm. Uh, oh, Top of the Pops. That's, that's a whole other part of my life. And, yeah. And, but it's just really weird. Cause <laughs> at the moment, it's all, I think that the, the current series is like from 1988, I think. Mm. And just watching the, 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 the chart countdown. And it's like, in at 27, Whitney Houston. And you just think... In at 27, Whitney Houston. And Are you just think, me? and then it would climb yeah. the charts. But that was beautiful because I, you know, you you followed the journey mm. of a song, and yeah. you could. What it told you is other people are coming to this. Completely. I like this. You like it too. And it was tribal. Yeah. And and and, th and I loved that. I loved yeah. the excitement of oh, where's Whitney going to be this yeah. week? Oh, you know, Howard Jones is down. <laughs> <laughs> but that tribal thing, that's something that maybe. I'm too old to see it now, but you know, still being involved in, in, in promoting clubs and things like that and, and, and the music and stuff, then I try and sort of keep my, my finger on the pulse and having teenage daughters helps. And mm. But growing up for me throughout the, the, the 90s, that tribalism in, in music 
was so key, you know. Yeah. It, it, was, it was an it, identifier. It, fashion wires, yeah. you know, and in every possible sort of form of style. And yeah, and I don't quite know how that, that kind of manifests itself today for, yeah. for, for kids, unless you are into a really specific, if you're a goth yeah. or you're a metal fan. And it's, or, I say that time and time again, it is, it's fair play to the metalers because they're holding in there. They've kept that uniform strong. <laughs> they really have. They totally have. And like, but you used to be able to... You know, sort of walk down the street and you could go, oh, there's an indie kid over there, yeah. there's a pop kid, there's I a... I kind of like the fact that that isn't so much... And what I think as well is the way music is so immediately accessible now. I see the way my son consumes it and he's 11. Mm. Um, they just like what they like. And there, yeah. is, there, is, a, there is a lovely purity to Massively. that. Massively. And the way they share music, you know, so he's on a school WhatsApp group with all his mates. And... Um, Billy Ellish at the moment is 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 the, their queen. Yeah, of course. And I love that because she's amazing. Yeah. And she's and she's seventeen, yeah. and I can see what that's doing to them. And it's this frisson of you know we're eleven, but in six years' time we could be Billy Ellish. Yeah. And it gives them something to strive for. Absolutely. If they love music, my son loves music. Um, uh, it, you know, he's, he plays in a band at school. Um, he loves music production, like his dad. Um, so I, I'm, I'm loving watching how this generation is yeah. coming to music, but it's entirely different to the way we did. Completely. And, and we're recording this um, just after the Glastonbury weekend. Yeah. And just watching the Glastonbury footage over the weekend and the, the diversity in, in what was on stage yeah. there and, and seeing people on social media moaning that, you know, this guy's playing or this woman's playing. And, and I just think, if you're moaning, you're probably too old to understand what that festival is about. Music should now. be the broadest of churches. Completely. And Glastonbury is the ultimate celebration of anything that's yeah. good. It doesn't matter what genre it is. Absolutely. And how boring would it be if we had nothing but you know a kind of you know rock lineup or a dance lineup or an indie lineup? Completely. The fact that there is something there for everyone. And you know, I discovered new artists this weekend. What dipping in and out of Glastonbury? Yeah. You know, Mavis Staples. You yeah. Know, incredible. Thought, Love that set. Yeah. I was like, yes, Mavis. Download. <laughs> uh, whereas you know back. In the day, I would have had to get a bus into town on a Saturday, go into our price, yeah. and I've, I would have had to wait for that moment. Yeah. So that, for me, is where modern technology in a digital world is brilliant because you hear something and it can be it, it can be yours in seconds. I do think there's merits to that journey as well, though. There that is. You, the aforementioned, like where you know you did have to go and get that, and you could only afford one album a week with oh, your pocket if money. You were so, lucky. Yeah, so you would cherish you it. Saved like, for that so, music. Yeah, so I think it is. It's like it's, it, there's merits to, to And what to, you to can't it. do is go, oh, let's try and take it back. You know, you can't do that. You just have to to, to, to go with the here and the Absolutely. now. And technology is the decider. Yeah. Um, and I and I hear a lot of people complaining. I actually find, um, I, th I find the advances in technology inherently exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and they intrigue me. I'm always, you know, I, I podcast now because I, I love that there is this new way of conversing with people yeah. that doesn't rely on me getting hired by a network. Yeah. I can just do it myself. Yeah. How brilliant is that? It's as punk as it gets. It's as punk as it gets. <laughs> You're absolutely right. Track two, Kate. The first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you? What did I say? George Michael, Careless Whisper. Oh my God, yes. <gasps> yeah. When he swang between those ropes. I wonder if you thought I was going to complete that sentence that way. <laughs> <laughs> Your face like, what? <laughs> um, I was such a Wham fan. I discovered them on top of the pops in espadrilles and rolled up jeans with Pepsi and Shirley in the background doing Wham Rap. And, you know, having 
having come home from school every day and you know I was the, I was that child that came home every day and read a newspaper I've always loved being nosy and knowing yeah. what's going on in the world so I was politically aware it was Thatcher's Britain mm. it was a disaffected youth and actually when you listen to songs like Wham Rap you know it's about those kids yeah. on the dole queue you know Harry everybody take yeah. a look at me I've got street credibility I may not have a job but I have a good time with the boys that I meet down on the line yeah. and I was like yeah they, I mean, and then I just, I just loved him. I loved him, and I could smell his potential. And I think, you know, Wham was was fantastic as a pop phenomenon. Yeah. But that's when he's, that's you know, Careless Whisper was when he showed his hand, and you went, oh, what else you got? Yeah. And for me, he was, I, I, I just, I mean, I didn't just love him. I was, in, I was, I, I mean, it was ridiculous. How much I, I I thought about him all day. You know, like when they went to China, I remember Wham in China. They did a news round special, yeah. and, I was, and I remember sitting in class at school, going, "I hope they've landed all right." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what what? What video was in China? Did they do one on stage? Is Edge of Heaven? No. No, they did. Where will my heart go? It was a B side. Right. Check me out. I'm going to get out nerdy today, aren't I? Yeah. And you know what was wonderful? I mean, I and then Faith came out, and when Wham split. Um, there was Wham! the final. Mm -hmm. And I remember having a massive argument with my parents. Did you they, go to it? No, because I was too young. Right. And my mum was like, don't be ridiculous. You're not going to London on your own. And I rang Childline <laughs> oh, to you're... lodge a complaint against her. Child cruelty because you weren't allowed to watch what Wham! What an absolute cow. I, <laughs> I was. need to ring Esther Ransom. I literally, and, and literally <laughs> Childline were like, I think you're wasting our time. I was like, are Brilliant. you kidding me? I may never see him again. This is my last chance to see them. Um, <laughs> I was devastated. And then, you know, I remember... Should I let those sirens go? No, the streets don't worry of about South it. London. <laughs> I remember um, it, when Careless Whisper came out, A, it felt like a relief because it wasn't a full stop on, mm -hmm. on my love of George. Because that wasn't the end of Wham when that came out. That was Not sort quite. of... Yeah. It was... You could see. Mm. You could see where it was mm. going. Um, and that video with the girl on the yacht in the amazing high-cut swimsuit... God, I wanted to be her. And I think for, you know, a teenage girl, um, and, and I'm sure you would struggle to, to relate to this, um, but I think, you know, falling in love with a pop star is a rite of passage. Yeah. It's a safe way to lose your heart yeah. before, you dis before you go into the wider world and actually kiss a boy yeah. or have a boyfriend. It's a safe place to um, romanticise. Yeah. And it's, Absolutely. It, it is a really important rite of passage. And it's something that I think really informed me as an editor of Smash Hits many, many moons yeah. later. I understood how they lost their head and their yeah, hearts absolutely. to their favourite pinups. And it's such a small window in your life, but a really quite important one. Completely. And if Claire Grogan from Altered Images is listening to this, I'm still waiting around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I ended up working with Claire many years later really? at VH1. Yeah. Yeah. And she was wonderful. Married to Steve White, awesome producer. Yeah. Had many, many, many lovely um, dressing room chats with Claire. Yeah, she's... she's Making she's, me jealous now. I know, sorry. <laughs> Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such so if you want to hear the songs just go over to spotify and search off the beat and track podcast and you can 
You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there... I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through and you can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. I can tell you some facts, right? I'll give you a few facts on Careless Whisper, right? Yeah. So I sat down um, for a, a, a little podcast thing I'm working on aside from this uh, with Andy, oh, what's his name? The guy that directed the videos. Right. And he'd done all the Wham's videos uh-huh. and he'd done Careless Whisper. And that's the second video for Careless Whisper. You're kidding me. You did not, I did not know that. The first one, George thought his hair was too curly. Brilliant. <laughs> I don't disbelieve it. I do not disbelieve it. And he made Faith. Uh, and he spoke about, it was him that went and bought the guitar and the jacket. And the Wurlitzer. And, and he didn't buy the Wurlitzer. But then he didn't do the video for Freedom. And he was absolutely gutted because... The video was amazing, but the video started with blowing up the Wurlitzer yeah. and... Uh, but didn't you think that was a lovely story arc completely. between one part of his career and the next? And completely. I think that's something... George was um, was was so important to that video generation and kids don't consume video quite in the same way we did. It was so important. You had to have a great video. And, and his videos, I think, you know, when you look at outside after he'd, you know, been outed... Yeah, the, the, the sheer... Um, cheek of that video yeah. was just fantastic. Yeah. Dressed as a copper with glitter ball urinals. Yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Um, he was such a clever and Im- and I think important artist. And the, if I if you're sat near a keyboard, don't stop listening to this, but do go to YouTube and Google George Michael rehearsing for the Queen tribute concert, the Freddie Mercury tribute concert. Um, but watch the rehearsal. Don't watch the real thing. I've seen this. And you'll see David Bowie, Bowie. Uh, stood next to Seal watching George just fucking nail it. It's jaw-droppingly yeah. perfect. Yeah. And so I adored, I, adored, I adored George Michael so, so much. And um, 
to the point that actually when he was outed, that was only that only then would I accept that he was gay. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh shit, it's official. Maybe I'm not going to get to marry George Michael. Damn it, I am not going to be Mrs. Popalopa does. Um, uh, so then, men, so I think it was early 2000s. I was at an event and I ran into a lift just as the doors were closing. And as I got into the lift, George Michael was in the lift. Wow. And I froze. And I just thought, you have this, this, this kind of really short but long conversation with yourself where you go, it's your idol, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't fuck it up, Kate, don't, don't say anything, don't say anything. And actually, I just didn't want to, I didn't want to burst that bubble. I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So I just wanted, bizarrely just wanted to get out of that lift. Fast forward to many, many years later, and I'd be, by this point, I'd been on, you know, m multiple TV shows talking about my love of George. M most, most often VH1 where you have a ton of airtime yeah. to fill and I would just wax lyrical never thinking for a moment that he'd ever see this yeah. but of course he had yeah. and you know this is going back probably 10, 10 years now and I was live on air with Loose Women I was anchoring uh, on the show and I'm sat there on an ad break and the producer speaks into my ear and he went like, just don't, don't freak out but George Michael's on the line. He's called, <laughs> he's called in from home. And I'm like, and he went, don't tell the other women, poker face, keep it quiet, it's a surprise. We're coming back off the break. You're going to introduce George and he wants to talk to you. And I went, oh my God, <laughs> shut up. Brilliant. And there he was in all his George glory. Um, and yeah, and we spoke and he was amazing. And he sent me a hamper the next day. And then he left his number with the producer <laughs> and said, tell Kate if she ever wants to give me a call. I was like, I, I, I can't take that number. Yeah. What if I get drunk and call him? Yeah. I'll embarrass myself. And the producer was going to me. But he specifically said to pass you the number. I said, yeah. no, I can't, take, I can't take it. I'll drink and dial. I'll, you know, I'll make a total show of myself. And I remembered that moment in the lift where I kept myself nice. Yeah. You know, no, don't embarrass yourself, Kate. So in the end, I said to the producer, you know, I got into proper panic about this. I said, Give him my number and tell him he is so welcome to call me any any time, but I just don't want the weight of responsibility yeah. of having him in my in my yeah. contacts book. So many weeks later, I'd been standing in as a guest host on this morning with Peter Andre, who's Greek, and we finished the show. And I was driving home from the studios, and I see a number come up on my you know in car system, how fancy uh, that I didn't recognise. So I answered it, and I said hello, and he said hi. It's the singing Greek. And I thought, it must be Pete. I said, hi, everything all right? You've forgotten something? He said, yeah, no, 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 I'm just in the bath. I just thought I'd ring and say hi. And I was like, you're in the bath at this morning? I mean, I've literally just left you. He went, I'm not this morning, I'm at home. I went, how'd you get home so quick? This is some farcical conversation. And then he went, no, no, it's me, George. George Michael. And I went, you're, you're in the bath naked. And he went, <laughs> well, yeah, that's how people bath. And I went, and I'm going around the IMAX roundabout just outside Network Centre, ITV yeah. Network Centre, just driving round and round like a lunatic. And I went, I, I, can't, I can't talk to you while you're naked. Can, can you phone me back when you get out? <laughs> <laughs> that, my 13-year-old self just could not cope. And he called me back and he laughed. And we, we, had, um, we, we, we became friends. And that... that and he was wonderful. You know, when somebody exceeds all of your expectations yeah. and he would just call from time to time and we would gas and gossip and laugh. And I, I, I loved him. 
And my heart broke on Christmas Day when I he think when, when, did, Yeah, I, honestly. You know, we're sat in my garden now and I had a house full of people. And Natalie Appleton phoned me. Um, and we we all knew George. Yeah. And she told me. And I, I had to go and sit at the end of the garden and stare at the fence. And I just cried and cried and cried. Um, and, I, and I still think it is the greatest shame that he's not here to carry on making music. Completely. Selfishly, yeah. I would love to hear what else he had yeah um but yeah that's 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 my george michael story oh wow i know right and for me but i was really honest with him as well i was like uh, and actually when he phoned me on air i said to him we should get married i'm such a good look for you i, I can help you recover in america you know i've got a lovely child um you know and he went well you'd probably have to turn a turn a cheek sometimes to some of the things that you know if i pop out for a bit i was like i can do that i can do that so i literally almost kind of shamed him into marrying me brilliant uh, and it was as he was chatting away on air i was literally just mouthing marry me <laughs> marry me uh, we, we can't talk about george markle and and, and i I can't not mention uh, Praying for Time because oh. I, I think it's, um, for me, the greatest thing ever done. Uh, I, I think that track... Listen Without Prejudice is just beautiful. Yeah. But you're right, that... Um, I mean, that was... He, he was going through a period of such loss in his life and that bled through every lyric, yeah. every note, every vocal. Yeah. And even as I'm talking to you now about it, it's, I've got yeah. goosebumps. It's, it's, it's a wonderful record. And, and I watched the... the, the documentary thing that come out a little while after his passing um and it was Elton John and James Corden and Liam Gallagher and Liam put that record on on uh, put the mm -hmm. vinyl on and he just sat back and he was like that could sit on Imagine and I just thought it sounds like Lennon mm -hmm. I didn't even I'd never thought that and before you know and you I hear think, it and it's I think because of the the highlights and the wham days and yeah. and the pop yeah phenomena that preceded his solo work I don't know that he was ever given the, the due respect that yeah. he, he should have been accorded actually yeah. um, and in so many ways that I, I mean it, it, for, to, a, to a real fan of course he did yeah. and, um, and I will always fly my George Michael flag but I think he was musically way more important than he ever believed himself to be you think so? Uh, yeah yeah waiting for the day like just them records one there, more try yeah going back to the early stuff that's what you know when i said he showed his hand yeah. careless whisper was one and then it was like this amazing musical deck of cards and it was like yeah. okay i take careless whisper yeah i give you faith i give yeah. you one more try i give you father figure i mean yeah. fucking hell father figure but careless whisper uh, you know however big his hair was in that video it didn't matter that song you strip that back to someone with just an acoustic guitar playing it's that. Still beautiful. It's it's a fucking masterpiece. It, is. it really is. And and because of his pop stardom at that point, maybe people weren't aware of just how incredible a record that no, is. You they know? weren't. It, it was a massive distraction. And actually, you know, when I go back to talking about how Wham Rap was a bit of a social commentary on the times, in some ways, Careless Whisper also had a nod yeah. to that because. It was the era of the last dance, right? The slow dance, not the last dance. Um, and at that time, I was going to the under-18s discos, you yeah. know, when you're stepping out. And uh, the, the night, you can't even imagine it in today's kind of, you know, club landscape. But there would be a slow dance and you would then stand there nervously sweating mm -hmm. through, you know, every bone in your body going, somebody... 
somebody asked me to dance because you know it was like guilty feet have got no rhythm yeah. it was you know you think about it it was about that moment where at the end of the night you go over you swoop up a partner yeah. and that becomes you know the beginning of a beautiful thing yeah. and nobody ever asked me Nobody. I was, you know, the chubby girl on the sidelines that had too much to say that just wasn't fanciable. And um, so that also kind of takes me back to being that girl. And it's... When, when we set the club up, Scrooge and I, on the first night he went, I'm going to play some slowies. I was like, what? Mm. And he went, I'm going to bring it back. And I was like, good luck with that, mate. And, uh, and I think he played Diamonds and Pearls or something like that. Uh, and obviously, it just cleared the dance floor. And he was like, yeah, maybe they don't need an erection section anymore. It's just not <laughs> working. <laughs> Never thought of it as that. You're so right. An erection. Do you know what, though? There are these moments where sometimes the DJ drops a surprise. And one of those for me was uh, Norman Cook. And I was at Privilege in Ibiza. And it was about six o'clock in the morning. I don't know if you've ever been to that club. It used to be called Coup. And it's got this kind of church-like window. And it's, you know, it's a massive club, 10,000 people capacity. And everything was, was going off. Yeah. And it gets to the end of the night and you just think, what is he going to pull out of the bag? Yeah. What's the last record? And he dropped Madonna Holiday. True. I still can't stop thinking about... I can't hear that song and not be in that moment. Yeah. And sometimes a DJ has such power. Yeah. And that's something I'm really mindful of as I'm building shows for Radio 2. Um, so when I leave you here today, I'm off to Brixton Academy to finish a documentary I'm making with Bross. Wow. Interesting, huh? And actually, the music choices that we're working through on that, their choices, are such a brilliant surprise that as a DJ, I'm thinking, I can't wait to drop this show because you are not, you know, you're never going to expect to hear an ACDC track from Ross, but you're gonna. Brilliant. So you're George Michael, Matt Gossie's my wife's. Like that, that, well, then that, that was, was my it. next one. So I went on to become a Brossette <laughs> to the point that, and I, I kind of told them this, we did, we've been doing a series of interviews with them and, um, for Bros, I got to, they were my first gig. Yeah. Hammersmith Apollo came on the coach all the way from Cheltenham. And I had terrible spots and I had a babysitting job over the road. And I went, I knew that the, the woman I was babysitting for had a sun lamp, a face lamp. Right? And I thought, that'll dry my spots out. Sod the toothpaste. I'm, I'm going to fry my face on a sun my lamp, goodness. right? So I dig out a sun lamp and I disregard the fact that the screen smashed. Just think, oh, sod it, it'll still work. And I stick my face on this sun lamp, go home that night, wake up the next morning. I had a sack of water under my chin. My eyelashes and eyebrows fell out. And I was in hospital with third degree burns, all in an attempt to reduce my acne on the off chance that at my first ever gig, Matt Goss saw me in the distance and thought, she's interesting. <laughs> he probably twat. would have if he had seen you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what a twat. Oh, that's amazing. We... Um, the things you do for the love of a good pop star, eh? And it doesn't disappear because about three years ago, we went to Vegas um, for my wife's 40th. And, uh, and we was walking through the, the mall in Caesars and there was this sports shop. And in there I could see um, this boxer like, signing some stuff. And I'm a huge boxing fan. So I was like, right, I'm going to go and see who it is. And it happened to be someone that had beaten Muhammad Ali. So I just lost my shit. Like, um, 
I, I get so starstruck when I see boxers and so I just got in there. I was like, oh my God. And I shook the hand and knocked out Muhammad Ali. I was like, and I come out and I sat to my wife, I can't believe what I've just done. This is like the greatest thing I've ever. And then literally as I've looked up, I've just gone, Matt. And Matt Goss was standing in front of me. And then I've just watched my wife. Reduce herself to the same pool of lovely. Literally, she might as well have just pulled a couple of grouse tops out and put them on her shoes because <laughs> yeah. she was just like jaw dropping. I mean, and he was beautiful. He's a lovely man. Like, and he went, "You from Essex?" And he was <laughs> like, "Yes." And so we we got chatting, and he was he was he was doing like a, a residency in Caesars. Yeah. And, uh, well, you know, he's got he's got a day named after him in Vegas now. August the eighth is Matt Goss Day. He's he's, he's big was time so there. Weird. It was like because you go over there, and obviously we knew how big Bross was in the UK. Yeah, but he but was he's like a Sinatra out there yeah. in Vegas. But that you know, it's it's an interesting story uh, because when they split, they could have gone. I mean, you look at where you, you map out where Bross were popular. It was everywhere from Australia right across Europe. But the one place they never really broke was America, mm. and they both chose to go to America mm. with huge debts following them, mm. not cash in on their success here and start over. And during the, the course of the interviews with them, it took, you know, I, I said, why did you never go bankrupt? Because that would have just written off your debts. Um, but they felt they were on a bound to pay them back. And for Luke, it took 10 years and Matt five, and they went somewhere that, that they were completely anonymous mm. and they had to start again. I, I really respect that. Definitely. Yeah, good men. Absolutely. And to this day, my wife's um, social media profile pictures is the picture of the three of us with me cropped out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him that later. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Track three, Kate. The song that reminds you of school. You've been greedy here. You've I've got chosen three. loads, yeah. But they're good and they're all good songs as well. So... Keep on moving by soul to soul. Just that beat was the sound of that year, wasn't it? It was the sound of of, of my school summers. Yeah, nineteen eighty nine. Yeah, uh, the year I left school, and you know that interesting. Oh, we're exactly the same age then. Yeah, forty six. Yes. Yeah, um, that was so exciting to me. It was, it was a movement. Yeah. It was a sound system. It was. I mean, Karen Wheeler. That rooftop video. Um, I remember, you know, saying to my mum when I was 16, a year later, please, please. I'd started dating somebody that we'd met on holiday when I was 13 in Mallorca. We were pen pals. Amazing. And then he became my real life boyfriend. And he lived in London. And I said, please, can I go and stay with him? And please, can I go to a soul to soul night at the Camden Palais? And she let me. And wow. it was, it was phenomenal. It was a moment. And you, to this day, you put that on. And it, it, it's as fresh as the day it was made. And, and nothing sounds quite like it. And it, it influenced. So, I mean, I also was like, oh, gosh, Nana Cherry, Buffalo Stance. That was a good one. But Tracy Chapman, for my early school kind of teen years, um, I loved that. I loved Fast Car. I loved, there was a song called Through the Wall, which was about kind of listening in on a horrible um, relationship that was wrapped in domestic violence mm -hmm. and I love the storytelling of that um, so whilst I was also an out and out play and record the, the top 40 pure pop fan with a massive love of Bross and Wham um, I started to discover different sounds and heritage artists and rifling through my mum and dad's vinyl you know discovering the Rolling Stones and 
artists like Randy Crawford, Elkie Brooks, Pearl's a singer, still love that song. Randy Crawford, to me, has probably got one of the greatest voices oh, ever. Beautiful, Al Mars. Yeah, Al Mars, you lucky, lucky thing. Beautiful. So, that, yeah, so, so jazz, you know, the Funky Dreads. Did you ever go to the Soul Soul shop? Yeah, Camden. <laughs> and what was lovely is, is many years later when I was with Darren, um, I'd been working on a travel show with Trevor Nelson and Trevor was like, look, we're doing this thing in Antigua. You've got to come over. It's with, with Jazzy. And he did a weekend at his villa in Antigua. And it was amazing. It was like being on that rooftop in yeah. that video. Oh, and amazing. it still sounded as phenomenal then as it, as it does now and as yeah. it did then. Like, 89 was a incredible year for music it was like because the the stuff that was happening with soul to soul and then that that breakbeat that they used you just heard that on so Mm. many records after that and like and then you had what was going on in manchester and then you had there was just hip-hop was exploding Mm. and it was just a really great time to be 16 years of age it was super rich in terms of the music that was available to you and you could love all of it yeah and in essex there wasn't one xr3i driving around that was not playing Back to life, I'll keep on moving. Yeah. That beat was just yeah. Booming. I mean, I could, I couldn't decide is it back to life or is it keep on moving. But for me, it's keep on moving. Yeah, they're both stone cold classics. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned the Pasadenas. Right on. They came. They sang. Yeah. They seemingly disappeared. Yeah. But I remember being very excited by that song. Yeah. And I still have it on playlists now. Yeah. And when it comes on and I'm running, I, I am again transported yeah. to trying to roll up my school skirt, yeah. make it a bit shorter, roll down my socks with my DMs. Yeah. And, and I'm that, that, that child again. Um, and yeah, I, I loved their take on soul. And it's, sometimes it's a soft soul kind of homage, shall I say, um, that then makes you go, well, who are these artists that they're singing about? So they name check a lot of artists. Everyone pretty much at the end, isn't it? And so then I went off and spread out my pocket money and was like, right, I'm going to buy each of these artists one at a time and and learn about soul music. That's amazing. And that song for me was a gateway to a genre of music that I love and adore um, and still manages to clamp my heart. Yeah. Oh, I see. It's It's a great record. Yeah. And much forgotten. Yeah, completely. I mean, I, I think I had the album, and yeah, tribute riding on a train. But there was a slow one as well. I can't remember. I can see, I, yeah, yeah, I can't remember it. The other one that I was going to put in there because it was such a big album was the Hard Line, according to Terence Trent, Trent, Terence Trent Darby. Hey, Grandma, get off your rocking chair. <laughs> and again, that was just somebody that you thought, you don't sound like anyone else. You're awesome. And I was always drawn in many ways to, to the standalones. Still am. I mean, let's talk about Terence Trent Darby for a brief moment then, because hopefully it's looking like in a couple of weeks I'm going to sit down with Martin Ware, who produced that album. Wow. Um, and for me... I, I saw him. He was on something. I hadn't seen Terence Trent. He came back years. recently, didn't he? Did you see him on the BBC documentary mm. about? And and like, and I, lives in Germany now. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, where I live in Greys in Essex, there's a pretty rough estate near where I grew up, and he was dating a girl there. And so when we was like fifteen, sixteen, we'd go on our bikes down to Seabrook Rise in Greys. And there'd be this amazing car with, like, you know, a couple of sort of security guys like in the back of Terrence. it. Terence and Terence was upstairs in the but, flat but with also, his girlfriend. Don't you love the fact that he was a pop star called Terence? Yep. There's nothing cool but, about Terence. No, Terence in isolation. <laughs> yeah. Not so cool. Trent Darby. Yeah. 
D apostrophe yeah. A R B Y. Oh, yeah. He was cool enough, no one called him Tell. No one, you wouldn't have done. He was Terence. And he was cool. And he had that same sort of cool as I remember going to see In Excess at Wembley yeah. Stadium. I think he was supporting as was Andrew Roachford. Remember Roachford? Cuddly Toy. Great record. Yeah. Um and and I think for me he had that same sort of Michael Hutchins super cool. There you have it. I'll keep this bit brief because it's only a little interlude. Head straight back over to your your platform where you get all your podcasts from. Hopefully you've subscribed, so it's already on your on your listening device. And get stuck into to part two with uh, the wonderful Kate Thornton. Uh, cheers for listening to this bit so far. Oh yeah, sorry, I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a load of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, um, there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. 365 day returns.